The church certainly gives us another set of beautiful readings today as we have continued through the Gospel of of John. And where I want to start with this, brothers and sisters, is I've been praying a lot with the chair of St. Peter the last couple days. And for those of you who have been able to see pictures of or maybe even visit the Basilica of St. Peter's in Rome, St. Peter's chair is an altar at the back of the church. And like many important churches, this is the cathedra, where it kind of represents the authority of the Pope and the mission of him going out and serving the people of God. And it's actually a huge altar that covers a chair from the first century. Tradition even says that St. Peter might have actually sat on that chair, which is pretty cool. But now it's been covered up because it's very old and bits have been cut off from it because people have taken relics and put it in different churches and whatnot. But Bernini, back in the 17th century, covered it up with this huge statue. And it's a beautiful chair. And there's four men that appear to be holding up this chair. There's two from the Eastern Church, St. John, Christ- John Chrysostom and St. Athanasius. And on the other side is two from the Western Church, St. Ambrose and St. Augustine of Hippo. And it really is a beautiful image of the leaders that Christ has given the church to steer the ship through all the seasons of life. But on a closer look, when you go up and you get very close to the statue, you can see that these men who are holding up the chair, they aren't actually holding up the chair. They're holding a ribbon, but it's limp in between them and the actual statue of the chair. There is no force by these men, these four saints, of holding up that chair. It's an illusion, it's real, they're there, but it's actually Bernini's statue of the Holy, or window, excuse me, of the Holy Spirit and the explosive gold clouds coming out from that window that is the foundation of holding up this chair of Peter. And this is a reality that we understand that each and every day, it's the Holy Spirit riding the ship. It's the Holy Spirit leading us, as Christ said, that the third person of the Holy, uh, the third person of the Trinity, excuse me, the Holy Spirit is is the God that he left with us. And the Holy Spirit is the one leading the church. Yet we have these important men who are gifts to us to lead us, inspired by the Holy Spirit to show us what God wants for us. In a very beautiful way, we experienced this this week when Pope Francis gave the whole world a very special blessing. I don't know if any of you had the opportunity to watch it on TV or over the internet, but it was just unbelievable scenes of watching Pope Francis pray and to give a homily and then to do a bit of adoration outside in St. Peter's Square empty. There was a soft rain. It was in the evening. And it was, it was almost like apocalyptic, apocalyptic moment where you just seemed like, wow, this is an epic event of the Holy Father praying. And the look in his eyes, you could see the weight of the world on his shoulders. And what did he do with that anxiety? He just gave it to Christ. You could see this great weight as he went to this crucifix 
that was there hundreds of years ago and saved Rome from the bubonic plague, that they moved to St. Peter's Square for this special prayer service. And when Pope Francis was standing there and just giving that weight to our Lord. And in his homily, he spoke about what we're called to do at this time as the shepherd of the church to give our anxieties and fears to the Lord and to convert as we are called to do in this season of Lent. This last three weeks, as we've been going through the Gospel of John, we've seen these moments of what it is that sin does to our life. The woman at the well, sin, it leaves us thirsty. It does not, it does not satiate us. The man born blind, sin takes away our vision. We're unable to see. And here with Lazarus, ultimately, sin kills us. And this reality that for us, it's a big deal. We do not want to have sin in our life, yet it's important to remember that we are all sinners. And this moment in the gospel, when Christ is there with his friends, Mary and Martha, and they're grieving over the loss of their friend, this is the third time we've seen someone raise from the dead. That Christ raised the daughter Jairus, that moment shortly after she passed. And then later we see him raise the son of the widow, who was an adult, who was outside of his home. And then today, of course, Lazarus, who four days rested in the tomb. And St. Augustine talks about this is the three stages of sin as it works in our life. For the daughter of Jairus, this represents the beginning of our relationship with sin. It often happens in home, and while it is serious, it is also able to be healed quite quickly. This understanding that she was only dead for a short time before Christ brought her back. And that son of the widow, this represents more serious sin, Sin in our adult life that, yes, kills us and can remain with us for a while. But Christ has a different approach here. And then today we see with Lazarus, someone who's been dead for four days. He's not just mostly dead. He's all the way dead. And they go, you don't even want to smell him. Is terrible. And this stench of someone who is truly gone, Christ still can save that. So brothers and sisters, the message to each and every one of us is that no matter where we're at, we are sinners. And whether we just have a few venial sins that we worry about, or some various serious sins, or maybe we think, there's no hope for me. Christ is always going to cry out for you. Christ, in the same way that he cries out for Lazarus to awaken, to come out of the cave, he will for us. For we as human beings can only describe things. But when Christ speaks, it takes something that is nothing and turns it into life. There is no stopping the redemption of our Lord if we're open to it. There is no halting that mercy of God. He has a relationship with us. 
There's so many beautiful moments that we can reflect on in this gospel of thinking that Christ is grieving the loss of a friend, that death, the loss of a true friend, which is really what sin is, brothers and sisters. It's the loss of relationship with the divine. In the same way, no matter how small or no matter how big the sin is in our life, every single sin, Christ grieves the loss of a friendship. Every moment we should recognize we have the opportunity to choose virtue. We know that that grace of the baptism and all the sacraments that we receive is working in our life, and we have the opportunity, and we can never, we can never grow weary of doing what is right. But the good news here is that Christ is always going to be there for us. If we have that humility, if we have that vulnerability of acknowledging, yes, Lord, I am a sinner, he will save us. He will raise us. And that, brothers and sisters, through all the craziness we experience right now is the hope we hold on to. To recognize that, yes, it's the season of Lent. We do this every year. We talk about the ways we need to right the ship. We need to turn back towards virtue to remove vice from our life. But it seems very special this year. It seems incredible. It seems outstanding. It seems to touch the core of who we are a little bit more. And praise God if this year just one soul, because of all that's going on, says, you know what? I'm going to put away my sin and cling to Christ. I saw a beautiful article this morning of an Italian doctor who through all of this has been an atheist for a long period of his life. But because of the acts of charity, the acts of virtue, and the acts of holiness that he's seen in the last few weeks working with the people of God, serving the sick in Italy, he's chosen to return to church. He's chosen to pick up his relationship with God again. Praise God. Praise God for that one soul. And we pray that there's many more. And let us end with the words that the Holy Father gave us in that homily. Why are you afraid? Why do you have no faith? Lord, you are calling to us, calling us to faith, which is not so much believing that you exist, but coming to you and trusting in you. This Lent, your call reverberates urgently, be converted, return to me with all your heart. You are calling on us to seize this time of trial as a time of choosing. It is not a time of your judgment, but of our judgment, a time to choose what matters and what passes away, a time to separate what is necessary from what is not. It is a time to get our lives back on track with regard to you, Lord, and to others. So brothers and sisters, today we cling to that hope that for each and every one of us, in our humility, in our vulnerability, if we're open, God will call us to come out from the grave and to restore 
that friendship with him.